0: Hey, writers, join our first draft weekly Writers Club. We meet every Tuesday from 12 to 1 Eastern Time. For more information, go to writingclassradio.com and click on the Classes tab.
1: I'm Andrea Askowitz, and this is Writing Class Radio. You'll hear true personal stories from the students in our class and learn a little bit about how to write your own stories.
0: I'm Allison Langer. Together, we produce this podcast, which is equal parts heart and art. By heart, we mean the truth in a story. By art, we mean the craft of writing. No matter what's going on in our lives, writing class is where we tell the truth. It's where we work out our shit. There's no place in the world like writing class, and we want to bring you in. Welcome to Season 6, The Andrea Show. It's not as bad as it sounds, I promise. Andrea is my co-producer and co-host, and she has been writing an essay a week since the day she turned 50, May 30th, 2018. In the stories we will bring you in this series, I've been Andrea's primary editor, and I am dying to share the process with you. The way that our process works is Andrea writes her essay and sends it to me. She works on it. She doesn't send me a first draft. She goes over it. It probably takes her hours and hours and hours knowing Andrea. And she sends me this piece that I'm not fixing sentence structure and grammar usually. She usually has to fix my grammar, but I never have to fix her grammar. So, b- but yeah, you're welcome. But anyway, what happens is, is I look at it and I read it and I, I think about how things hit me and I just make my comments. And usually I'm pretty like, what the hell are you writing this for? I couldn't give two shits. Like I actually write that and she gets everything back and she looks it over and then we talk on the phone and I try to understand why certain parts of her piece mean so much to her or why they're included or what sh- where she's going with this piece. And we really work on what the story is about. Then we work backwards and we start cutting out the things that don't matter. For me, that brainstorming session is the most important part about writing a piece because we often get our head up our own ass and we can't see where the story's going and it's really, really important to sort of talk it out with
1: somebody. One of your biggest notes to me all the time is is be more vulnerable. Yeah. But in this case, I remember sending you the story and I said, is this a story? And you were like, yes.
0: All right, here's Andrea.
1: Funny story, my brother has cancer. A few weeks ago, my mom had my brother's family and my family over for dinner. Tony had just gotten a lump removed from his neck. There was a possibility it was cancer, but he hadn't yet gotten the results. When it was time to set the table, Tony said, I can't because of the cancer. When it was time to clear the table, Tony said, I can't because of the cancer. He got a few chuckles from his kids, but his wife, Lisa, who didn't laugh, said, What is wrong with you? From across the table, I said, Lisa, he has cancer. She laughed hard. Everyone laughed. So I called for a vote. Whenever someone in my family says anything funny, that person calls for a vote. I said, Who's the funniest in the family? Like always, we all voted for ourselves. I'm 50 now, and Tony is 52. We've been voting this way since we were little kids. The dinner was a celebration of my mom's dog's 10th birthday, which wasn't as funny as when our childhood Labrador, Hannibal, turned 13, and my mom threw a bark mitzvah. Hannibal died that day, which turned out to be not funny at all, because hours after the vet dragged him away in a black bag, 50 people showed up for the party with bones and tennis balls. The day after our dinner... I called Lisa to get the results of the biopsy. She was driving with her best friend, Suzanne, whose husband survived bone cancer 20 years ago. She said, it's thyroid cancer. She told me he'd need to get his thyroid removed. She told me when the operation was scheduled. She said, I can't talk long. I'm in the car with Suzanne. I said, cancer wives. Lisa laughed so hard, it was almost weird. But that's one of the things I love about Lisa. She's a laugher. Lisa said, stop making me laugh about the cancer. I wanted to call for a vote. People say thyroid cancer is a good cancer. I have also been saying that since 1976, when my mom had thyroid cancer. She's still alive, so I know it's true. Thyroid cancer is a good cancer. My brother didn't inherit my mom's cancer. My mom got thyroid cancer because kids in the 40s and 50s were treated with radiation for tonsillitis. Thirty years later, my grandmother read in the paper that those kids were developing thyroid cancer. I was eight at the time. All I knew about cancer was that Brian Piccolo had it. He was a football player I knew about because they made a TV movie about him called Brian's Song. Brian died. I was so afraid my mom would die. My mom was a smoker then. We made a deal that if she quit smoking, I'd quit sucking my thumb. She quit cold turkey. Eventually, so did I. Years later, my mom and I saw terms of endearment. We love and hate the scene where Emma, played by Deborah Winger, is uncomfortable in the hospital, and her mom, played by Shirley MacLaine, screams at the nurses. When Emma died of cancer, my mom and I cried and kept crying long after the movie ended. The weird thing is, I will cry watching a movie, but I rarely cry in real life. The last time I remember crying was when one of my best friends from high school got cancer. She was 33. Doctors discovered the cancer when they did an emergency C-section. Six months later, she died. At the funeral, when the cantor sang, Tears in Heaven by Eric Clapton, I cried so hard I couldn't breathe. Karen, my best friend since first grade, hugged me and said, I've never seen you cry this hard. Now I can't say cancer without laughing. I say it in a stage whisper every time. Cancer. Sometimes I laugh so hard tears come out. I know I use humor as an escape hatch. I need to laugh because I can't imagine my brother dying. Last Friday, they cut out my brother's thyroid and any suspicious nodes. The operation was long. They said it would take four hours, but five, six hours later, we were still waiting. Lisa, her parents, and my parents. Three times, someone came in to say the operation was going well. If the operation wasn't going well, my mom would have become Shirley McLean. When I got to the waiting room, Lisa pulled out a note my brother wanted her to read. He wrote out all the lyrics to the song, We Are Family, by Sister Sledge. He said, I don't ask for much. I certainly did not ask for cancer. He thanked us for being there. He said he knew he'd be okay. He said he wished he were on the tennis court. My mom said, last time your brother wrote a note was when you got into Penn. My brother has always supported me. I crushed him in tennis when we were kids. Now he crushes me, but back then when he could have been jealous or insecure, he cheered me on. When I wanted to visit him in college, he didn't treat me like an annoying little sister. He welcomed me and all my friends. And when I got into Penn, he sent a letter home from the University of Florida, where he was barely passing. Maybe because he's a boy and I'm a girl, we don't have that sibling rivalry. But I think it has more to do with Tony just wanting the best for the people around him. My brother is the guy who calls me on the morning of my dad's birthday and says, call your father. He's the guy who wakes up at 6 a.m. to get live shrimp, then baits every hook for every kid. He's the guy who makes pancakes with Aunt Jemima batter. When my grandmother was nearing the end, my brother sorted her jewelry and asked me what I wanted. When the hospice nurse called my dad to say she was about to die, he called Tony who raced over there so our grandmother wouldn't have to die alone. When our parents are about to die, I know Tony will race over. When they're nearing the end, he'll divide their jewelry, and he'll ask me what I want. He'll divide up everything. He'll handle it so I don't have to. The morning after the surgery, Tony sent a group text. He wrote, I'm awake. I seem to have been hit by a train. The doctors say I look good. They obviously don't know how good I usually look.
0: I love Tony. It's really, really, really a great and well-written piece. What we do in class is the person who reads their story is in a dome, and you sit, you're not allowed to speak or comment. You just listen, so you can absorb how your story landed. It's a metaphorical dome. Right. If you speak in class, we shush you. So it's very hard not to speak and people get used to it, but it it takes a long time to not defend yourself because your story has to speak for itself. Okay, that's why we do it. What I love so much about this, the way this narrator you has scripted this and not just because I'm your editor, but uh, (laughs) is that I love stories where it goes in and out well, We're in the story with your brother. There's like almost like a container. The brother's going in for surgery. It's the night before. Then he's going in for surgery. And then this all happens while he's in. And when he comes out is when he says, the doctors say, I look good. Obviously, they don't know how good I usually look. We learn about the wife. We learn about the mom and the relationship with the brother as this narrator takes us out and back into the story. And she does it seamlessly. What I also love is that it's so obviously clear that laughter in this family stands in for emotion sad emotion and what the narrator does is she gets vulnerable and says I know I recognize that this is something I do we do whatever and that's really important because without vulnerability it's just sort of like a like sort of a document of events and what we want is emotion and that I thought was done really 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 well The call for a vote, I think, is just so good. And I remember in the early piece, there was this long ass thing about calling for a vote and explaining the whole nonsense. I was like, I don't care. Just call for the damn
1: vote. We'll get it. That is true. Like the original scene that I wrote, the way I wrote it, I had like um, I talked about us calling for a vote or me calling for a vote and who voted for who and every single vote. But it really really what it amounted to was we all vote for ourselves. And it was just a little bit more complicated. It's been this long history where it's really my brother, my mom, and me. We are the only ones that call for votes. And then I had this part where like my I'm de- bored already. Yeah, I know. Exactly. Oh so, my
0: God. So, I'm so
1: I'm re so, bored. Okay, is that a word? <laughs> <laughs> okay, right, so good edit, good call, Allison, yes, because it doesn't bye-bye. matter. Basically, it only mattered that we always call for a vote, and it doesn't matter that my dad, when we were kids, never called for a vote, because he's not funny. No, your dad isn't <laughs> even never, in this piece, barely. Oh, wait, and then there was this other part about how um now now that my brother has kids and I have kids, like, now the voting becomes political, which I thought was right. funny, No, but you know. Okay. No.
0: Good. Negative. Didn't miss it. And the stakes are pretty high, actually. So you made a brother... really good
1: edit from the top. Oh. So I was softening it from the top. And you were like, no.
0: Oh, oh, right. You said, my brother has cancer. Actually, he had cancer. They cut it out. OK, uh no. You need to build tension in a story. We need to get to the cut it out at the very end and see that he's OK. Otherwise, why do we stick with the story? Why do we care? No, nobody cares. You have to up the stakes. Is this guy going to die? Is the surgery going to be OK? Like, you know, not to be dramatic, but we have to care about the story. So don't give us the punchline. In the at the very top, but I think that's a natural response to pain and suffering is to lessen the pain and the suffering and be like it's okay. But I'm going to tell you what happened. No,
1: I know. Make us it's suffer. Probably true. It's probably. I think it was. A, I think it was. Um, am I allowed to speak? Sorry, you can speak. Yes. You so can speak. I can't stop speaking. Yeah. I know. I know. Okay. It's very hard. So but... it, in that moment, it was. Um, I was trying to like. I didn't want anyone reading it to to suffer the way I did. But why they in in a good story you take the reader through the suffering yeah that's what a good story does you did push me to talk more about when was the last time i cried yeah you were like if you don't cry when when did you cry and then it was like i totally remembered my friend died when i was 33 fuck that canter for singing tears in heaven that's just cruel that's awful
0: thank you for listening and thank you, Andrea, for sharing your story. If you want to read all of Andrea's stories, they're on our blog at writingclassradio.com. Writing Class Radio is produced by Virginia Laura, Andrea Askwitz, and me, Allison Langer. Theme music by singer-songwriter Justina Chandler. Additional music by Poddington Bear. Writing Class Radio is sponsored by and recorded at the Launchpad at the University of Miami. There's more Writing Class on our website, Twitter, and Facebook including video classes, stories to study, editing resources, and workshops available for hire. If you love this show and enjoy all the extras on our website, hit the support us button. A new episode will drop every Wednesday, so look for us. There's no better way to understand ourselves and each other than by writing and sharing our stories. Everyone has a story. What's yours?